All God's people said, Jesus is Lord and he is Lord of all. I want to invite you to grab the guide that you should have received as you came in the building. Um, the prayer and fasting guide. It was should have been given to you with your bulletin. If you did not receive one, um, there are some out in the foyer as you leave here in just a moment. Um, but we're going to enter into a time um, here in just a moment of praying as a church. And um, But before we do that, I kind of want to walk you through this for a moment. Um, we as a church, what we're asking us to do as a body of believers over the next four Thursdays is to enter into a time of prayer and fasting. All throughout scripture, you see different times where um, nations, different groups of people, churches were um, called to fast together and to pray. That could have been about a major decision. It could have been about something that was going on. Um, it could have been the leaders just asking them to fast and to pray. And so what we're asking us as a church to do is to enter into a time over the next month in a time of prayer and fasting. You can see on the first few pages just a little bit of information about praying and fasting. Um, we do know that this might be different for some of us. Maybe you've never practiced the discipline of fasting. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a moment. Um, but you can see the different things there on page 1 and 2. And then um, on the following pages, you see beginning this Thursday, May 23rd, we're asking people to fast and to pray for this. This is just a guide. Okay. You don't have to pray specifically these words. You might use these words. Um, you might use words from the scriptures that you see referenced there. Um, but we're asking you to pray and to fast this Thursday. And we're going to be praying about knowing Jesus intimately. And you can see the different headings there and the different points. On Thursday, May 30th, we're going to do the same thing together. But it's going to be specifically around serving Jesus passionately. And so there's some points for you to pray about in scripture passages for you to read while you're praying on Thursday, June 6th, it's going to be about sharing Jesus globally and his, his, um, expansion of his kingdom around the globe. And you can see the different points and references there as well. And then we'll end on Thursday, June 13th, um, praying about, um, the hilltop faithful God, faithful future, and some things that we, we need prayer about in regard to that and scriptures that we, you can reference as well. So we want to call our church into a time of prayer and fasting over the next month. This is a critical point and a critical time for us to enter in and to do this together. Maybe you've never fasted before. And so let me, let me share with you just very briefly a little bit about that. Um, a biblical fast is abstaining from food for a set amount of time. And so what we're asking you to do, if you're able, um, we know that some people have medical, um, medical issues and things that are going on where they can't abstain from food. Um, however, you can abstain from other things, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. But we're asking you beginning this Thursday to take that day to abstain from food and when you would normally eat to open up God's word, to pray for this church. To pray for yourself, to pray for leadership, and to follow the guide that's that's given to you in this prayer and fasting uh, booklet here. And when you would normally eat, and all throughout the day, you would take time to pray and open God's word. Um, maybe maybe you can't abstain from food. 
Um, I know some of you are going, oh, I don't want to abstain from food. Um, so, um, but, but God is calling us to do this. And so we would love for you to join us. Um, but if you can't abstain from food for maybe some medical reasons or your doctor has advised you not to, um, we would, we would ask that you find something, pray and ask the Lord, God, what would it be that you would have me to abstain from, um, over this, over this month period of prayer and fasting? Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's entertainment on the TV. So when you would normally be looking at social media or watching television, um, you would abstain from that and spend time in prayer and fasting uh, for this church and for yourself and for the leaders here. Um, and so there's there's multiple things that you can do during this. Maybe you get together as a family on Thursday evening and you get together and you, um, you, you'd spend time together in the Word and praying. Maybe it's you individually. However you want to do that, um, you, you feel free to do that. But we're, we're calling um, us as a staff, but us as a church, to enter into over the next four Thursdays a, pr- a time of prayer and fasting. And so this is what this guide is for. Again, if you did not receive that, um, please feel free to grab one in the foyer um, as you leave. What I would like us to do now is I would like us to enter into a time of prayer um, as a church. And so we're going to do something a little different, but it's going to be okay, I promise. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to ask this far section over here and this middle section right here, so just on the bottom floor only, I'm going to ask you to turn to the page where it says Knowing Jesus Intimately. And then this bottom section and the far, uh, my, my left, your right, um, I'm going to ask you to turn to Serving Jesus Passionately. And then the balcony and the stage, choir, I'm going to ask you, or actually the balcony, I'm going to ask you to turn to Sharing Jesus Globally in your booklet. And then the choir, if you have a booklet, um, I'm going to ask you to, and people on the stage, I'm going to ask you to turn to the Faithful God, Faithful Future, Day 4. And what I'm going to ask us to do um, in this next few moments as we continue our worship service, I'm going to ask us to to pray. And I want us to um, I want us to pray out loud. God's not going to get confused by that with all the different praying going on. I promise He can He can handle it. Um, and and maybe you get together as a family. Maybe you get together as a small group of people. Uh, maybe you just pray individually. However you want to do that. Um, and so we're going to have the the bottom floor praying for knowing and serving. The top uh, balcony praying for sharing Jesus globally. And then the stage we're going to be praying for faithful God, faithful future. And however you want, whatever points you want to use there to pray. And so let's let's begin to pray as a church out loud. And then we'll continue on with our worship service. Let's pray. I want to begin by asking three questions. And the first question is, why are we celebrating? Why are we celebrating? We are celebrating what God has done and what God is doing. You saw the video earlier. Matt allowed me to get a sneak peek of that on Thursday afternoon. I was blown away by what I saw I work here every day, and I didn't even know all of that. And I am so very grateful for what God is doing. Added to that, you know, we just did our Annie Armstrong offering for North American missions. We set a goal of $25,000 last Sunday. We went over and above $26,000-some-odd, so praise God for that. You're a remarkable people. 
We said a year ago, it's going to take everything we've got. And I don't mean you give away everything you have. I just mean our energy. It's going to take it all to do what God's called on us to do. In the midst of trying to make a move and continue to give to the church budget, we're, we have not let up one iota in our mission work. We're still moving forward. All of that is a great challenge to us. But God is good. And we're going to make every goal we set. I believe that with all my heart. We are celebrating where we are today. Faithful God, faithful future, the move to the hilltop. Most of you know the story. We worked for several years, property management, the elders working, trying to find how can we expand here? How can we add property? How can we build the new buildings that we need? And one frustration after another, finally in an elders meeting, one elder just threw up his hands and said, we just need to move. And we all looked at him like, what are you talking about? And so I, the one who should be the leader of the pack in faith, said, we can't do that. Where are we going to go and how are we going to get there? Then someone said, well, the only entity I know of that might be interested in buying our property would be Mary Harden Baylor. Pastor, would you go see the president and ask him? So... Dr. O'Rear and I are great friends, and but I wanted this to be done right, so I, I made a formal appointment, went to see him, and said, Randy, would you, would the university ever want our property? And like I knew he would, he prayed about it, but he came back in a week and he said, no, we don't want your property. Okay, so we moved on. Still one frustration after another until January of last year when Dr. O'Rear called, and the rest is history. He said, the university has changed its mind. We want to make a swap. We'll give you some money and some land in exchange for your property. Our land is at Loop 121 and Martin Luther King Senior Boulevard. It is, it is spectacularly beautiful. I know you know that by now. So one year ago, tomorrow, we voted as a church. And we've been moving forward. Architects are designing. We're raising money. Table in the foyer today. For those of you who need one of those pledge forms, please stop by and pick one up. I want you to look at the slide to, so I can show you where we are as of last Sunday morning in our pledging and giving. You'll see that as of last Sunday morning, 221 families or family units have made pledges and the total uh, of those pledges and what has been given is, as you can see, almost $10.4 million. And we're very careful not to double count. So we've got pledges and then those who give but haven't made pledges, and so that grand total is $10,381,000, as you can see on the screen. Now, that's 221 family units. Some families one person, some families ten people, but that's family units. We have over 700 family units. So as you can tell, we've over 500 family units that to date have yet to make a pledge. So there's plenty of room for growth. The property management committee, we formed a steering team. We have a transition team. That team is going to tell us how do we get from here to there. We don't want to wake up two weeks before the new building is to be dedicated and say, oh, by the way, how are we going to get from here to there? 
So they're beginning to work on that now. That's the transition team. And the most important team we had is, have is led by Jeanette Kelly, and it's called the prayer team. That's the most important team. They're not dealing with uh, nuts and bolts and digging holes in the ground and putting up steel. They're dealing with prayer. And what you have in your hands today is a result of the work of that prayer team. So we're making progress. Our architects, RBDR out of Waco, we have landscape architects. The city of Belton is working closely with us to make sure that we meet or exceed code in every area, including the work for the sewer, the very glamorous work that must come first in getting sewage, sewer lines to the property. We have an audiovisual firm that we've hired so that we won't have any Sunday in which you'll come and say, what did he say? We'll all be able to understand what's going on and be able to see what's going on. We have a construction firm helping us, Cloud Construction Company. We plan to put do the sewer work this year. So that's not exactly called groundbreaking, but you'll see dirt beginning to move as we put in the sewer lines to the hilltop. All closings have taken place between us and the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor. We are fully in. They are fully in. We have a traffic study that is supposed to be complete this week. In fact, as a result of partial part of that traffic study, the architects met with us Thursday. We've added more parking spaces, and we've moved some of the spaces that will be designed primarily for those who are the seniors or mobility-impaired closer to the building. There'll be lots more closer-up spots. No, you'll be glad to hear that. We have had a tree study. I had no idea that you had to have a tree study. We've had a tree study. And uh, we have been able to identify legacy trees on the property. Some trees are going to have to come down, but we don't want we want to minimize that. So we have identified legacy trees that will stay, will build around those beautiful trees and they'll help the property to be even more beautiful. So much has been done already, although when you drive by the property, you look and you feel like nothing's going on. Well, that's not exactly true. There is a lot going on. And in fact, this week, you should be able to drive by and see a sign that says, Future Home of First Baptist Belton. You'll be able to see it both from the loop and from Martin Luther King. So, second question where are we going? We're going to the hilltop. From time to time, I get asked, are we really going to do this? And the answer is, yes, we are really going to do this. We are going to the hilltop. We are committed. And so is the University of Mary Hearn Baylor. All of our studies are being completed. Zoning issues are being dealt with. Sewer lines will be laid this year, not glamorous, but essential. Funds are being raised, architects are drawing, and our goal is to break ground, the kind of breaking ground that you're most interested in. Our goal is January or February, this upcoming January or February. That's only seven or eight months away. And our architects tell us it'll take a year and a half to build. If all of that happens on schedule, we'll be ready to move in in mid-2021. So, church, now is the time for us to do what God has called on us to do. Now is the time. It's not three years from now. It's it's now. 
the 10-year clock given to us by the university has started. It started in November, which means that by November of 2028, all of our ministries here must be brought to a conclusion. If not sooner, no later than November 2028, we will vacate the premises and be out there totally and completely with all of our facilities. It's been divided into two phases. Phase one is what we're calling Sunday on the hilltop, which means that phase one will consist of a worship center and Sunday school space so that all things Sunday can be taken to the hilltop as soon as possible. Sunday on the hilltop. Then somewhere in that 10-year span comes phase two. Phase two will likely consist of more education space, a fellowship hall with a full kitchen, a gym with classrooms, an outdoor pavilion, possibly some outdoor recreation things. That'll all have to be decided as we move forward. But we've got teams working on that almost every day of the week. Our transition team is working on the transition, the timing and the transition for our church weekday ministry and also for Providence School. How will that work for Providence ultimately to be able to go with us? Phase one, someone said the other day, Pastor, we've got less space out there than we've got here. And that's correct in phase one. We'll have over 80,000 square feet there. We have over 100,000 square feet here. However, the layout is very, very different. Every square foot of the new location will be usable all on one level, no stairs, no elevators, nothing to trip over, everything on one level done perfectly, compactly, and we have built in room for growth in phase one. And then, of course, when phase two comes along, that'll give us even more room for growth. So the growth has been built in. Let, let me just give you an example. Growth, we'll have growth space in phase one for adults, youth, college, children, preschool, and special needs. Every area of, of the life of our church on Sunday. Let me just use adults as an example. We have had a growth spurt. Interestingly enough, the growth spurt started May 20th, 2018. Isn't that interesting? And it's really accelerated since January. So right now we are having, uh, among adults in Sunday school, on a low Sunday we're having about 650 adults in Sunday school. And on a good Sunday we're having, a really high Sunday, we're having 750. So in that range, 650 to 750 adults in Sunday school. Now, when we move in phase one, will there be room for growth? Yes, there will. Phase one will enable us to take care of 982 adults in Sunday school. So that will give us a growth of 230 to 330 more adults than we currently have attending now. And it will be the same for every age group. Growth has been built in. The campus is going to be beautiful. It's on the high ground. It's hill country through and through, and I can't wait to see the sign up there next week. Now, here's the third question. How do we get there? How do we get there? So we'll leave you these points. Number one, Matt introduced it earlier, prayer. Prayer. Who believes in the importance of prayer? 
who believes in the power of prayer. Is there anything more important than prayer in regard to our move to the hilltop? There's nothing more important than that all of us together as a church family pray. So we're going to need to pray in every, t- every time we gather together for Sunday school, Bible study, worship, mission activities, whatever it is we do, we want to be praying. You're going to have Sunday reminders, which you've already been having. You, you're receiving texts Mondays at 7 a.m., Thursdays at 7 p.m. If you're not on the text list, call the church office tomorrow morning and we'll get you on there so that you can receive a text reminder to pray for the hilltop. So how do we get there? We pray. Number two, we pledge and give. We pledge and give over the next five years. Now, church, I've been asked by a lot of people, why do we need to pledge? Can we just give? The answer to that is absolutely you can just give, and some are choosing to do that. They're not pledging, they're just giving. But here comes, here's the reason why we're asking you to prayerfully consider a pledge. We are, we have a goal of $32 million, and I believe we're going to reach it, and that will allow us to avoid long-term indebtedness, which none of us like. However, it is unlikely, I'm not saying God can't, but it is unlikely that all $32 million will come in by this time next year. That's probably not the way God's going to do it. Therefore, in order to construct the buildings, we'll have to go into some short-term indebtedness. And the lending institutions, when we come and say, would you let us borrow money, they'll say, well, how much of your people pledged to give? And they'll look at that, and, and we can say, but we also have other people who are giving without pledging, and they'll say, that doesn't count. And that, that's what they'll say. That doesn't count. They won't look at that. They won't consider that. So without pledges, we will be hampered in our ability to borrow the short-term funds that we'll need to construct the building. Pledging also helps, help us, helps us to keep our focus. It does for me and, and our family. So, I would ask you to prayerfully consider, if you've not yet pledged, to prayerfully consider that. Also, uh, Brother Craig reminded me of this this week, and I'm glad he did because I had it in my old notes but not in my new notes. And that is, if at all possible, front load as much of your giving as you can. That also will help us in the lending area. Less we have, The more we have in hand, the less we have to borrow. So in other words, if you're giving, I'll pick a figure out of the air, $10,000. And you can give six, seven, or eight of that in the next year or two. That would be very, very helpful. If you can't do that, we're grateful for everything you're giving. We ask that everyone consider sacrificial gifts, whatever that may mean. Now, um, the staff knows this because I told them about it. And I'm not doing this for drama. I'm just doing it because it's the truth and you need to know it. Um, My wife and I made a pledge. We were one of the first couples to pledge. The staff and the elders were the first to pledge up front. We did that over a year ago. We wanted you to know as we move forward that the whole staff is all in and, and all the elders are all in. That's important for you to know. Well, Sharon and I prayed and we came up with an amount and quite frankly, we looked at each other and said, I don't know how we're going to do it, but this is what God's laying on our hearts, so we're, we're going to pledge this amount. 
Well, God's been good, and as the year has gone along, we're way ahead of schedule in, in our giving. And we began to pray, and we came to realize that we needed to rethink our goal. That maybe, maybe we had been just a little too relaxed, maybe to say, you know, we can do this, and it won't, it won't strain us, we'll, we'll be fine. I mean, we're looking at retirement out there. Sometime, it's gonna happen. I mean, it is, church, it's gonna happen sometime. So, so, so we, we, we've got that in our mind, but, but we realized, you know what, we can do better. So today I'm gonna put in the steel box in the hall our updated pledge. We have changed it and we have increased it significantly. And I have no idea how we're gonna do it. No idea. But I just know God laid it on our hearts, so we're going to trust Him and we're going to do it. And I just say that to you, not so you'll think, oh, Pastor, aren't you great? That is not. You can look at it the other way and say, Pastor, where was your faith the first time? So that, that's the way you can look at it. But I just want you to know, and I hope some of you will get, maybe you'll say, well, hmm, that's, that's food for thought. Let's pray a little more. And maybe God, and if you, if you want to change it, you can't just go online and do it. You'll have to call the office or fill out a new form because the way the computer's set up. So just remember to call the business office or fill out a new form and turn it in. Some have said, Pastor, um, we're old. I can get away with that now. Pastor, we're old and, and we're worried about, you know, when God might call us home and we don't want to saddle our kids with the debt of having to pay off a pledge that we make. Well, what do we do with that? First of all, I hope you have a long life. But, but secondly, what an awesome opportunity for a conversation with your family. You know, God's going to take us home one day and if He takes us home before this is paid off, Kids, here's what we want you to do. And, and I hope that will be kids we want you to pay it off. If it's not, if you want to set them free, tell them that. At least let them know. And any occasion for a conversation as a family is a healthy one. So how are we going to do this? Prayer, pledging and giving. Thirdly, faith. Faith. All I want to say is... If we can explain it, we don't need God. You understand what that means? If we can explain it, we don't need God. I can't explain it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't see how we're going to do it. But I believe with all my heart God's called us to do it. So let's put our faith in Him and let's move forward. The fourth thing is courage. It's courage. You know, when I put this new updated pledge, I, I probably need a couple of you with me because I may get there and start shaking and my, may, my knees may start buckling and, and I don't want to, I don't want to back off. So maybe there's a couple of you big guys who want to carry me to the steel box and help me put that thing in. It takes courage. To commit to God to do something that we don't understand how we're going to do. But we just know He wants us to do it. And then the last word is family. I've got blood family. Some of them are seated right on the front row where they always are on Sunday. But I also have a spiritual family, and that's you. You're my spiritual family, and I love you. 
and I guarantee you, I love you so much that my desire is that I will do everything I can to help my spiritual family. Not only the spiritual family that I'm looking at today, but the spiritual family that is to come. Brad was right. We presented seniors this morning. Ten years from now on the hilltop, we'll be presenting the class of 2029. And then will come the class of 2039 and the class of 2049, unless Jesus hurries his coming. We'll be doing this for a long, long time. And so we are building the spiritual family for the future, and I guarantee you I want to do my part. I don't let my family go neglected. I'm going to do what I know God wants me to do for my family, and that's you. Now, I want you to open your Bibles, and I do not want you to be afraid. Oh, no, he's just now getting started on his sermon. That is not the case. But I do want you to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Now, if you look at the first verse, you'll find that the children of Israel have come to the edge of the, of the promised land. The Jordan River separates them from where they are to where they want to be, to where God's told them to go. According to the text, the river is at flood stage, and God says, put your feet in and cross the river what he says to the children of Israel. Humanly speaking, to look at that and say, what'd you say? We, we can't do that. We can't cross the river. It's at flood stage. We'll all drown. We can't, we can't go across. Now, look at verse 5. The ark's going before them. The priests are out front. Joshua tells the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. To the priest, he said, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. You're out front, priests. So they took it up and went ahead. And the Lord said to Joshua, verse 7, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that He will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, all the ites. Verse 11, See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one for each tribe. And as soon as the priests carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And the rest of the verses tell us that's what they did. Now how would you like to be the lead priest? The guy on the front end. You see the Jordan, the Jordan River... Jordan means flow down. So it flows down from its headwaters in the Golan. And it drops 3,490 feet in 120 miles going through the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. There are a few places where you can ford the river when it's not at flood stage, but at flood stage you cannot ford a flooded river. And here are the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. What are those men thinking because they could have stopped and said, Joshua, would you clarify this, please? 
Because if we put our feet, we're going right into the water and it's going to sweep us away. It's going to sweep the Ark of the Covenant away. It will be destroyed. And the enemies of Israel will mock us and say, you're all crazy. But to our, in our, to our reading, there's no evidence of that. None at all. The priests move forward and what happened? God said, put your feet in the water. And when they did, God did what only God can do. Man cannot do what happened next. The people obeyed. The water began to stop flowing down from a place called Adam some miles away. And the children of Israel walked across on dry ground to the other side. Joshua believes He bases his belief on what God has already done and the truth of God's word. And and notice the, look back at chapter 2, verse 24. Notice the enthusiasm of the people before they got to the river. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Well, now it's time to act. You know, we had a great celebration a year ago. We were so excited. Well, now is the time for all of us to act and do what God wants us to do. This doesn't make sense, humanly humanly speaking. But the priests go up to the edge, they put their foot in, and they lead the people across on dry dry ground. God said, obey me, and I'll do what only I can do. So they cross over, God is glorified, and the rest is history. Now, I want you to make note of Joshua chapter 14. If you want to turn there for a second, I'm not going to read the passage, but Joshua chapter 14, Caleb. Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Remember the two courageous men who, when they spied out the land with ten other spies, came back with a minority report and said, We can do it. God's promised. The other ten said, No, there are giants there. We can't do it. So the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Well, now 45 years have passed, and Caleb's 85 years old, and it's time to conquer the promised land. And Caleb steps up, and he says to Joshua, I'm as young and vigorous as I ever was. God has a plan and a purpose for me. I want you to give me the high ground, the hard ground, and I'm going to lead my guys, and we're going to go up there, we're going to take it, because God still has a plan and a purpose for me. Read it. Joshua chapter 14. God has a purpose for Caleb. And understand, church, God has a purpose for every person in this room, every single one of us. So as we look at the texts, we find the courage and we find the purpose. We find the commitment on the part of God's people in obeying what God wants them to do. And there's a third thing. That I want to read this. Look at Lamentations. Lamentations comes after Jeremiah. I know you knew that, but I wanted you to know. I know that. Lamentations chapter 3. Listen, you know these verses. Listen to verse 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. So what we find in three texts, two in Joshua, one in Lamentations, crossing Jordan to the promised land, 
conquering the promised land, and courage that flows from the faithfulness of God. Now, I want to conclude on the basis of those three texts by asking us to think about our part. What is our part? And then I want to think about what God's part is. Only take a moment to do this. So here's our part. Our part is three things. Our part is, first of all, love. We love God, and we love our church. We love God, and we love our church. I know we love God. I know we love our church. I love this church. You know what that means? It really doesn't mean that I love the tile that I'm standing on. It means I love you because you're the church. You're the church. People are the church. I love the church. I love this church. You have put up with me for 30 years. When you get to heaven, there's got to be some reward for that. I love this church. Our part is to love God and love the church. Our part, secondly, is faith, to exercise our faith. Now, listen to me carefully. Do not remove the supernatural from what is going on here. Do not remove the supernatural from what God is doing. If we have it all figured out, then God's out of the picture. Do we plan? Sure we plan. Do we work? Sure we work. But all of our plans and all of our work are insufficient unless God does what only God can do. And right now, many of us are saying, God, I don't know how my family and I can do what we believe you want us to do. I don't know how our church can do what we believe you want us to do. But I trust you, and by faith I act. I do my part. I love and I exercise my faith. I, my faith goes into action, which then brings us to the third word, which is obedience. Not to a pastor, not to a committee, not to a team, not to elders, but obedience to God. Now, most of you heard of this, uh, this story. It's, it's a true story. There was a man a number of years ago who... Uh, did a tightrope walk across Niagara Falls. You've probably seen old newsreels of it. And he walked across. It was hard. I mean, it's windy, and that's a long way down. And he walked all the way across, turned around, and came back. And a crowd had gathered, and everybody applauded. So the man said, I, I have a wheelbarrow, and he had a wheelbarrow there, and he got the wheelbarrow up on the, on the, on the tightrope. And he said, how many of you think I can go over and back with a wheelbarrow? And people said, yeah, yeah, do it, do it. And so it wasn't easy, but he got that wheelbarrow, and he went carefully all the way to the other side. Then he got down, put it back on, turned around, and came all the way back to the American side. Niagara Falls below, wheelbarrow. Everybody went crazy when he got back. He applauded, and they applauded and screamed and yelled. And he said, how many of you think I can put a man in this wheelbarrow and go to the other side and back? Everybody said, yeah, yeah, they went crazy. And then he scanned the crowd and he said, You, sir, would you come up and get in the wheelbarrow? (laughs) And the man said, No, not me. And he looked at another and said, How about you? And he said, No, not me. And another, and no, not me. And you get the picture. 
It was faith put into action that enabled the children of Israel to cross the Jordan into the promised land. Faith is one thing. Obedience is another. True faith will permit us not only to believe, but to get into the wheelbarrow. And that's what we need to do. It's time to get into the wheelbarrow. Our part, what's God's part? God's part is faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. He'll be faithful. God's part is glory. He will get the glory. On the day we move in, we're going to have a celebration of worship unlike any that we've ever had before, and God will get the glory. Not a pastor, not a committee, not elders, not a team, not builders, not donors, not architects, but God will get the glory. And I can hardly wait for that day to get here. And this is done for now and for the generations that are to come. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. I don't know about you, but I can see it. Our new base of missions and ministry. This one served us well. Incredible things have happened in this place. We'll have a new base of missions and ministry. Almost every time we are out on that part of Belton, my wife will say, drive by the property. And I may say, well, what, you know, it hadn't changed. Drive by the property. Okay, I'll drive by the property. Usually on the loop, we'll turn and go down MLK through the campus, heading back home. And we'll look and we'll say, we, we can see it. It could be right there. Our new home, our new base. From there, we will continue to serve the Lord and reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see it in reality. Let's bow. Father, thank you for the calling that you have placed on our lives as a church and as individuals. So now, Father, I know it's time for us to be obedient, to act on what you've called on us to do. And I pray that we will, every one of us, to the glory of God. Father, there may be someone here in this room who doesn't know Jesus. The most important thing in all the world for that person today is to come to know Jesus. And I pray that when we sing in a moment, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl would come and place their hand in mine and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. And thank you that there'll be someone here to pray with them and help them come to know the Savior this day. So whatever it is you want to say to our hearts, we're listening, we'll obey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God speaks to your heart. I'm here. Place your hand in mine. Pastor, I need Jesus. A member of our staff will be here to pray with you. You come as we stand and sing.